Hello, and welcome to the Serotonin Central Podcast. This podcast is focused on bringing you light and uplifting content during particularly difficult times. We hope you feel at home listening to a couple of friends lounge around and just discuss whatever comes to mind. This is Mary-Kate. Hey, this is Andrew. Today, for this episode of Serotonin Central Podcast, we're joined by one of my good college friends, Sam Hall. She's probably one of the most resilient and determined people I know in my life, and it's great to have her on the show today. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for joining us today. Um, you want to just maybe give everybody a quick introduction to who you are and maybe even how you and Andrew met. I've heard that's kind of a fun story. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I'm Sam. Um, I work in the hospitality industry, um, primarily in events, um, but I've been around the block in hotels and food and beverage. Um, I really love what I do. Um, kind of a personality trait. Um, I love my work, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm just happy that I don't hate my job every day. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, Andrew and I met in undergrad. It was my sophomore year, his junior, I believe. Um, we were hanging out with some friends. And um, I'll just let uh, you guys fill in the blanks about um, college shenanigans. Um, we've been perfect <laughs> friends ever since. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mary-Kate, how did you meet Sam? Yeah, <laughs> as far as um, college-like shenanigans. We did not meet in college. However, um, we've actually only known each other for, I guess, a few months at this point. Um, Maybe like six months top? Six, yeah. Give or take six. six. Yeah. Something like that. We <laughs> met playing a very, very intense round of Stranger Things themed Monopoly. So... That's how you know you make true friends. If you come out of <laughs> Monopoly with a friend. Did we finish that game of Monopoly? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. I think it was getting a little a little heated. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, yeah, that's true. You rarely leave friends with Monopoly, as in like you come in with friends and you leave without friends. But uh, not very often do you come in um, with a stranger and then leave with a friend. So <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. Me too. And that's why we are so excited to have you. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. And we can start off with, you know, kind of the, the main question that everybody is asked and has asked others. How is life during the pandemic going for you, just in general? I mean, you talked a little bit about how you're in the hospitality industry. You want to maybe touch on how it's impacted your work as well as your personal life. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's going. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I have been furloughed since March 17th. Um, it all kind of hit our industry in um, different waves. A um, little backstory, the hotel that I work at um, recently um, got a new management company. And so um, they were doing a really great job at keeping the morale up. Um, we had just had our, our new leadership team for no more than um, two months. And, you know, the ball was rolling and we were all very excited to be there. Everyone was feeling really good about our team and just, you know, the, the up upcoming busy season that was coming. Um, and then when um, we started seeing news article after news article about um, this virus that was creeping up and um, on my morning commute, I'd turn on NPR and every day it was just worse news and worse news. I, I would sit there and think, wow, I'm really glad I work in this industry where nothing closes because when um, people want to relax, when people want to get away from everyday lives, they come to us and we're here to take care of them. Um, and that was until we started seeing hotels close um, after resorts closed and 
we knew it was pretty real when Disney World closed. Um, <laughs> we all just kind of looked at each other and said, oh, um, so what does it mean for us? And um, as a lot of the industry leaders know, um, they didn't have an answer for us, um, which was kind of scary, but also at the same time, uh, they, they didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. And um, I, I, I appreciated that transparency with them instead of leading us um, to a, a false hope, which I um, understand some of my colleagues in other situations may have found themselves in. Um, but uh, basically uh, about a week before I was furloughed, um, there was some discussion of other properties starting to um, cut down on some staff. And um, we were all just kind of thinking, are they going to keep a full staff? Are we all going to go part time? What's going on? You know, like, we'll, we'll see what happens. People haven't stopped traveling yet. And then people stopped traveling. And then we all just kind of looked at each other and said, okay, it's not an if we get furloughed, but when we get furloughed. Um, mm. So every day we came to work and just kind of did what we could, tried to resume um, normal work day, but the clients we were talking to were starting to get furloughed and they were starting to be less responsive to their emails and they were asking questions about cancellations and what happens if this, what happens if that. And we just, you know, uh, to the best of our ability, answered their questions, tried to keep their head up, let them know that we're here for them. We can, we're more than happy to see what we can do for them to ensure that um, they can have their events at a later date. We'll be accommodating for them. And then the team started to split up. Um, it was really heartbreaking. I completely understand what was going on. It's kind of hard to pay a full team a salary when there's no money coming into the business. And that's just the unfortunate reality of um, working in the business world and the hospitality industry. If your clients aren't there, then you can't. Like, what's the point having me sit at a desk for 10 hours a day if I'm not doing anything? So um, they said, it'll be 30 days, you know, like you'll be at home, you can file unemployment, we're here to support you, you'll have your job when you come back. And we're all like, okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath, go home. I haven't like sat still for three days or more than three days in like over a year and a half. This is going to be weird. And let me tell you, it was super weird. Um, <laughs> I, um, Andrew calls me a workaholic and a couple of other friends. So I'm um, sitting at home for more than um, 12 hours at a time was super weird. And it was very hard to not check my work email and not um, work from home without getting paid. Um, and just, you know, days became weeks and weeks became months. And, you know, it's, we wait for updates, but, you know, right now everything is just so up in the air. We, we don't know what to anticipate. We don't know what to expect. And all we can do is take it one day at a time, which we've been doing. So I'm grateful for a great team at our hotel who's uh, very anxiously awaiting for the return of our full staff. We've got some great leadership and great support um, back in my office. And um, I, I don't know what I would do without them. Um, frankly, if I didn't have such a supportive team, I probably would have started looking for different jobs a long time ago. But um, I joined this team back in September and I don't want to let them go yet. So <laughs> I'll just wait it out. Well, it's great to hear that you have such a support system built up with your colleagues and your leadership team. I think that that is definitely a source of hope in a time like this um, when everything is really uncertain, especially when it comes to employment. And actually, I was talking to a friend about this earlier today, that in some ways you see the best sides of humanity when everyone is impacted by the same thing. And it kind of sounds like that's how it is for you and your team. You're all going through it together. Um, and it's not that you don't 
always have positive interactions, but you kind of see people go above and beyond checking on each other and to do whatever they can to lift each other up because we're all, we're all going through it. Right. So I think that's Mm -hmm. exactly, that's really great to hear that you feel good about the people that you've surrounded yourself with in your career. Um, so, I mean, other than, other than the job, which, I mean, you know, we spend most of our lives at our jobs, but you know, anything else that you feel like has been particularly challenging to deal with during the pandemic? Um, well, I'm a textbook extrovert. Um, <laughs> I'm the kind of person I get stir crazy after like a day and a half of sitting at home. So it was really hard for me to get used to, oh, I'm at home. So it's like a day off, except I have a day off every day forever until they tell me to come back and I can't go to home goods and I can't go to Burlington Coat Factory <laughs> and I can't go window shopping. <laughs> so um, definitely not being able to continue my, my usual social life was um, a learning curve. Um, I mean, obviously it would be detrimental if we were able to do such things. And if we were to be able to do such things, I would probably still be in the office. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I'm just so used to getting my energy from other people. And when um, my fiance is at work because he's an essential employee and I'm at home by myself all day, I love the dogs, but let's be real, I'm by myself because they're sleeping all day. It's just, it's, it's such a change of atmosphere. And yeah, I'm, I'm used to it now, unfortunately, um, but I'm, I'm still an extrovert at heart and I cannot wait to go back to home goods and I can't wait to go back to Burlington and just spend all this money that I haven't been able to spend because I haven't been able to leave my house. I feel you on that. I was, I actually had a dream about home goods the other you night. You did? I definitely, what do you mean you had a dream about home <laughs> goods? That I was just walking through it. Were you like petting the pillows feeling feeling like the soft velvety texture of them or something like that. <laughs> that sounds like a very deep sensory experience i mean this was just like, <laughs> this was like the, the base level just oh wow remember going places like do you remember walking to yeah, stores right. and just looking at things well i mean kind of speaking upon that like even though sam and i like she and i would window shop at home goods all the time you know, speaking to her diligence, Sam would actually be on her work emails as we're going through home goods. She'd be like, oh, this is a really cool, like, shoe rack. Oh, wait, let me respond to this email. Real, real Listen, quick. Andrew, leave me alone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, mark of a true hard worker. And there's nothing more, like, inspiring than that. And it's definitely been a change for you. But speaking of changes, actually, you mentioned uh, your fiance recently, uh, Jamie, right? Yeah. So how did you and Jamie meet? Congratulations Uh, on the engagement, too, by the way. Thank you. Um, It's been a long time in the making, and we know people were super excited to see that Facebook status come up when um, we made it Facebook official. But um, so we met our freshman year of college at Virginia Tech. Um, He was on Virginia Tech drumline. Um, I did not make the line that year, but I was a manager, so I um, still got to hang out with the line a lot. Um, I was in part of their um, their their social circle, um, and I still got to know um, a lot of them, which was really great. I'm glad they kept me around. Um, Jamie, ironically, was not in that social circle. He was um, kind of that weird freshman who, like, stayed to himself and hung out with the other freshmen. So um, we actually didn't cross paths until that following spring when a handful of us um, from the Virginia Tech percussion decided to join the Liberty University indoor drumline, uh, which is a competitive springtime um, traveling indoor 
drumline essentially um, we would put together um, I think it was maybe like 10 minute shows I can't remember how long they are it's been a while since I've um, indulged in that but um, basically every weekend um, from Friday immediately after class through Sunday night would be in Lynchburg and we would all just kind of clown car into someone's van and drive the two hours to Lynchburg do our weekend rehearsals and then come back Sunday night and then Monday would come and we'd just repeat the week again and um, Jamie and I um, actually came close from a mutual friend, um, my best friend at the time, still one of my dearest friends to this day, and a really good friend of Jamie's. And um, he, I guess, started to notice the sparks before we did and just kind of gently pushed us together, even though we were clawing at him and saying, oh, no, but what if he's not interested in me? What if she's not interested in me? Until he literally said, you two need to get in a damn room together and talk. And we did. And then we started dating. And here we are today, engaged. <laughs> oh i'm so proud of you guys i feel like i need to punch a wall because it's so cute <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah that's that's great because like both of my best friends are engaged so mary kate's engaged sam's engaged uh <laughs> i'm kind of sitting on that boat alone but you know what i like this life it's the life okay. it's okay there is no rush we're all just doing our own thing yeah, I mean, there's no rush, and I mean, no one's really doing anything. It's like the world came to a grinding halt, you know? <laughs> but it's absolutely okay to just kind of exist in the space and the moment and just kind of enjoy anyone's company. Uh, that's all we could do, right? Exactly. And I'm just super lucky to spend the rest of my life with my best friend and our two dogs and all the dogs that are to come in the future. And we're just, we're just hanging out. <laughs> I can relate to um, spending an engagement in a, in a weird quarantine lifestyle, especially like trying to figure <laughs> out how to navigate planning a wedding. I'm not sure how soon you and Jamie are planning on getting married. Um, my wedding is scheduled so far for this November, and I'm now under the six month mark and it's just very it's very hard to feel motivated to do a lot of planning when you can't really get out of your own head right because you spend the day yep. either like I'm working from home or if you're not working from home you're wondering when you're going to be able to start working again and then it's like oh okay now I have to try to plan like the most important day of my life and, you know, from like a, a venue planner and a wedding planner perspective, I completely get it. Um, when I was, uh, for background, I do um, mostly weddings and a lot of social occasions, like proms and birthday parties, mostly weddings. But um, I had maybe, I think like six or seven brides coming up from March through December. Um, wow. Knew all of them by name, had their phone numbers. They had my email. We were on a first name basis. They would call me in the middle of the day freaking out. And I would just tell them like calm down it's fine you know I love these girls um they're super stressed out and first thing I thought when I was furloughed was oh my god who's going to take care of my girls so I just took a sheet oh. of paper and I wrote down everyone's names and everyone's email addresses and a little bit about them like hey just you know so and so is really picky about her drapery just so you know she's going to ask for room dimensions maybe three more times because she's making them herself herself um she's fantastic just be patient it's fine so and so is going to call you and ask you the same question over and over again because they probably forgot to write it down. It's okay. They're a sweetheart. It's fine. You know, and I wrote it all down and gave it to my coworker before she was furloughed. She just looked at me and said, this wedding's not until November. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But she's still my bride. And you're going to take care of her while I'm gone. 
I can only imagine how how stressed out they were when they um, inevitably tried to send me an email and they got a uh, ominous uh, bounce back saying I've been furloughed and someone re- will reach out to them in the next 72 hours. So um, as a bride, I would probably freak out. Um, and as their, their venue planner, um, I was freaking out for not being able to be there for them. So I see both ends of it and I hate it. <laughs> I think that definitely says a lot about about you and not only how you interact with clients, but just who you are as a person. And that's why we like you and keep you around. Oh, thanks. I love people and I love what I do. And I'm going to say it over and over. I'm lucky that I love what I do because I don't think I'd be able to do it otherwise. We actually have a venue tour on Saturday morning. And I'm really grateful that the um, person I've been working with um, on that end, at least is part-time employed. So she's been um, pretty responsive compared to some of the other venues I've talked to. But at the same time, I can't, I can't say anything. I can't blame anyone. Whenever I message them, the first thing I say is, hey, I'm in the industry. I get it. Take as long as you need to respond. We're taking our time to, like, I'm patient, just want to get some info. We'll chat when you get back type thing. And um, I hope they appreciate that because I definitely would. But um, it's really glad to see that um, some places are still open and are um, resuming business as normally as they can. That makes me really happy as a bride and as someone in in their shoes, or I guess someone who would like to be in their shoes working. So um, it's good to see that um, some places are still doing as well as they can out there. Definitely. I'd like to I like to shift gears a little bit. Um, because something that we've, Andrew and I have been talking about pretty frequently is just how to maintain a good headspace. And that's obviously a lot easier said than done a lot of the time. And particularly, um, for someone like myself and you, Sam, being super extroverted, Andrew is also an extrovert. We're just, we're just a few extroverts here. Um, Oh my God, we're all just loud and talkative and we don't leave anyone alone. Yeah. And now we are forced to leave everybody alone. <laughs> so, oh my God, I know I hate it. <laughs> so I, I'd love, I'd love to talk a little bit with you about how you're approaching maintaining good mental health right now, uh, because we will take all the tips we can get. And I'm sure anybody <laughs> listening would love to hear maybe some of the ways you've been able to cope with this this new normal? Mm -hmm. So um, my mental health journey in general has been a really long one. Um, And it's taken me a long time to get into my rhythm. And, you know, as as we get older, and we start to fall into where we are in life, you kind of slowly meld into how to deal with everyday life. And with everything that's going on, it happened so abruptly, we we don't really know how to process it. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do. We don't know what's what's in store tomorrow or next week. So um, we just kind of deal with it. And unfortunately, that's not always the best approach. My approach, personally, um, I've said it once, I've said it again, I take it one day at a time. Um, That's really all I can do. I've gotten into just kind of letting myself relax. Um, I I do have a lot of guilt from work, not being able to be there for my clients and there to support my coworkers and, you know, just kind of uprooted my entire lifestyle and my my whole, my everyday routine out of nowhere. I mean, I mentioned that we we knew it was going to come eventually. We just didn't know when, but when, when happened, it was 
you know, it's being thrown into cold water. We, we didn't know what to expect. So um, at first it was, it was really tough. Um, I spent a lot of time um, sleeping and cleaning, um, just kind of getting everything done that I said I would get done, seeing, um, seeing the, the silver lining behind the clouds and saying, hey, this is an opportunity for me to do all the things that I wanted to do while um, within the four walls of my home. Started to make, make small lists, cleaning, get a little more cooking done. Eventually, when I started going to the store again, trying new things, um, talking to my parents more. Um, I, my mom and I are super close. Recently, I, you know, I went from calling her once a week to calling her every couple of weeks. And um, since I'm home all day now, I call her and she's like, really, you're calling me again? You called me yesterday. Yes, mom, I'm calling you again. I'm going to call you again tomorrow, too, because uh, I miss you and I have nothing else to do. So you're going to listen to me. And she laughs, but she's totally OK with it, I think. She has to be, but you know, if everyone's different, I would love to be able to give some blanket advice, but you, you know yourself best and all we can do now is be comfortable, um, however we can be in, in, in a relatively healthy manner. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out to someone that you trust and let them know like, Hey, um, like, can I call you? Can we talk? I miss people. Let's try and see what we can do to try and get back into a routine. You know, we're, we're used to at eight o'clock in the morning or in the car on the way to work. And then the next day, you know, I haven't had my routine in so long. So I went from waking up at six o'clock every morning to get ready to work to now waking up at 1 PM every day because I have no obligations. And that just kind of rocked my whole world. And I know I'm not alone out there. Um, but routines are, are really important to uphold. And it's, it's way easier said than done. Um, I know I've been telling myself I'm going to have a routine. I'm going to stick with my three meals a day. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do my laundry on Sundays. And then I don't. But that's okay because we all have those days. And you're allowed to let yourself slip and indulge and have a lazy day because we're, we're going through a lot. And everyone's going through it at a different pace um, and from different directions and all we can do is take it one day at a time and support each other because we don't know what's coming tomorrow but it can be good news so all we have to do is just do what we can today make it the best day we can even if it means taking all day to sleep and read a book like I did yesterday I got out of bed at 8 p.m to use the bathroom because I was reading in bed all day and it was fantastic so I guess if I, uh, after all of that long-winded discussion, could give any one piece of advice, it would be take time for yourself because you deserve it. Because, you know, we all deserve it right now. I love that. That is, that is really, really good advice. And also super important to acknowledge that it looks different for everybody. You know, I think you, you can probably relate to this. And Andrew, definitely chime in here with your thoughts, too. Because he and I were discussing not too long ago just this um, this feeling like you have to be productive during this time. That there's this pressure that we tend to put on ourselves. When you have a certain personality type, I'm definitely a type A personality. And when I have a lot more free time, because I can't go to the store or I can't go out and meet up with friends. It feels like I should always be doing something. There's always something else I could be doing to be productive. When, like you just pointed out, sometimes it's okay to 
be lazy, to take a day to just relax and be kind to yourself. Because the thing that I think I've gotten out of this whole experience so far is that doing nothing is still doing something. Because that doing nothing, with big air quotes, could be exactly what it is that you need to just get through it in that moment. Exactly. I just realized you can't see me nodding profusely right now. (laughs) Yes, I am nodding profusely. I just big thumbs up to everything you just said. I wholeheartedly agree. Yep. I'm in the same boat with what you guys just said, what Mary Kate just said. And it sounds like I'm just jumping the bandwagon, but this is actually a concept that I'm kind of half struggling, half teaching myself recently. Um, For me personally, I tied my own identity to my productivity, right? So if I was not productive at work or if I was feeling burnt out, I would feel, as you mentioned before, Sam, I would feel guilty. I would feel like, ah, you know, I got nothing done. I just been sitting on the couch watching YouTube videos while waiting for work to come my way kind of thing. And it kind of initiated this dark spiral of just, you know, I'm not good enough. Ergo, I'm not putting enough work. And because of I'm not putting enough work, I'm not good enough. And, you know, you see how that like vicious cycle begins, right? And it took a lot of talking from, you know, you guys with therapists and et cetera, just to be like, hey, you know, it's okay to be easier on yourself. Go easy on yourself. Realize that this is, you know, not usual because we are human beings. We're meant to socialize with people. I think, Mary-Kate, you actually mentioned that I was, like, extroverted. I am actually introverted, but I I fake it till I make it. um, So I think extroverted. (laughs) Yes, we talked about this. Yeah, I I would like to, I would like to just as a quick aside, mention that, yeah, wow, I feel like such a failure of a friend in that remembering that you are an introvert. There is this this concept of being an outgoing introvert that I think a lot of times we, uh, we underestimate. So, yep. so, and, and this actually, I think is relevant to mental health. So I do want to stay on this path for just a moment here. Um, I think we, particularly with the amount of video calling we do now and the amount of virtual interaction that we do, it can exhaust introverts. And I think even on a completely different level, an outgoing introvert like you because people assume that you're one of us and you just want to talk all the time when that's not always the case. So yep. I think, I think that's yep. just kind of ties back into making sure you identify what your needs are and communicating those effectively with the people around you. But yep, And that's hard. Not everyone's able to communicate that because of uh, that first step of even identifying what you want as a person. Like I still have no idea what I personally want out of myself. I'm learning how to be kinder on myself. Like, for example, did I go for a walk today? Sure. Did I do, you know, one hour of studying Korean? No, I did 30 minutes. But what is helping me reshape that mindset of not meeting metrics is more of, did I make an effort to better myself? Just like a generalized effort. Like, did I do something for me kind of thing? Did I make my bed? Did I treat myself to a nice cup of coffee? Because I love coffee, you know? It's what I've been picking up and kind of like going through the entire process that it's just being kinder to yourself and just kind of trying not to set lofty goals that are tied to your performance metrics, because I feel like that's (laughs) what a lot of society uh, relies upon. 
they look at your value as a human being based on what you put out, right? But that's just simply not the case because again, as I mentioned, we're human beings. We thrive on social interaction because now that's all behind a screen. And mm-hmm. there, even if you're an introvert out there listening to this, even the simple act of just being out there with friends in public, physically, that changes the entire ballgame because you you are out and about kind of thing. You're interacting, um, not with just yourself, but your surrounding environment. And that positive energy just kind of flows through everyone, kind of that good juju. It's hard to explain. I don't know. But that that that's just at least that's my perspective on this entire ordeal and what, what I've been like picking up and kind of learning. Um, but it's, you know, I totally relate with those people. And like you, Sam, just that anguish of not being able to, you know, move forward in life, feeling productive, because that's what we've been doing for so long and that's changed and it's frustrating yeah i think one thing um, that was kind of groundbreaking for me to realize that took me an embarrassingly long time to realize um despite being only a couple years into my post-college adult career is that success is subjective and success is what you intend for it to be and what you set for yourself. And um, while in the workplace or in academia or, you know, in pursuing your higher education, success does have a a percentage sign next to it with particular goals to meet. um, When, when it comes to personal goals and taking care of yourself and doing what you want to do, you can't compare your success to those around you because at the end of the day, any progress you make is, more than when you what what you had done this morning, what you had done yesterday, and you know any sort of progress, any sort of you know step in the direction that you want is is good enough. Honestly, you know I I tell myself I'm going to do all these things when I wake up in the morning, and if I only cross off one thing on the list, I might look at the list and say, "Wow, I'm a failure," or I can look at the list and say, "You know, I got something done today," and I'm completely okay with that. And I have tomorrow to cross off the next thing on the list. And if I happen to cross off the rest of them, that's great. And if I don't, that's okay. Yeah, I love that. That's actually the mindset that, you know, I've been working with. Um, Speaking of lists, actually, I started a gratitude journal about I made it more about like adding things that I've done to that day. And I, I, you're right, it takes a hot minute to kind of reorient yourself from thinking I only did zero things to I did accomplish one thing and at least one thing. It's that Mm -hmm. granular self-improvement kind of thing. It's a totally different mindset that at least someone like me, that's something new. And Mary Kay, I don't know if you've been doing anything like similar to like a gratitude journal, but I know like we talked about this here and there though. Yeah, I actually used to be a lot better about gratitude journaling and it's something that I really want to get back into especially at a time like this and something I have considered doing while everything is still relatively fresh in my head actually is is writing down everything about this experience so like how it's impacted my work how it's impacted my mind and how I view myself and even other people and I write I want to write all that down not only for me to look at later on, but, you know, family members in the future, future children, somebody to know at firsthand what kinds of emotions were being processed. 
Um, so, you know, I think, I think I kind of look at the opportunity to journal as a really cathartic way of comping. Yeah. And that's not a novel idea, but I, I know this is the type of thing that's going to be in history books and people are going to be talking about this era for a really long time. So to have some sort of documentation of how things have been going for me, I think would be good to offer myself, my future self, some perspective, but to help paint the picture of what our generation is, is going through right now. So love, love gratitude journaling. I love people are in general, it seems being very accepting of the fact that doing just one thing each day, no matter how small is impactful, uh, positively to their mental health. What I think actually might be kind of fun um, to share, and I can go first, is just anything that you have picked up, whether it's like a fun new hobby or a project or even just like a ritual that you've adopted since all of this has started. Because I've heard a lot of different answers and I love hearing what people have been getting into. Ooh, I love this. Yeah. So a couple of things that I've been doing. I have started cross stitching, which has been a huge stress relief. I actually sometimes even do it, do it while I'm working. If I start to get frustrated with my work, I'll pause and <laughs> work on a cross stitch project for a little bit. And then... Is it because it has needles and you're doing pokey pokey stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, my life voodoo doll is my <laughs> like cross stitching. I love it. Um, I love it. But that's been fun because it's it's something like it's relaxing, but it still feels productive because I, you know, I'm still in that mindset of wanting to feel like I'm producing something, but it's art. And I like, I like art a lot and I've really enjoyed doing that. Um, and then the other thing, cause Andrew, you're talking about practicing Korean. I'm trying to learn Swedish. Um, my dad's side of the family has Swedish roots and I think it'd just be cool to learn the language that my ancestors spoke. So I've, I've been, those are kind of the two of the things that I've been working on as yeah. personal development and also just basically coping mechanisms, you know, a way to just keep your mind <laughs> busy in a positive way. Um, but Sam, how about you? Has there been anything fun that you've tried or picked up during all of this? Well, Andrew's going to sigh because um, yeah. my... <laughs> My, my industry um, right now is, is really looking out for each other. So um, a handful of the professional certifications that once um, the exams were in person and cost a couple hundred dollars and the courses were a couple hundred dollars um, are now free. So um, I've uh, used this opportunity to add a couple of certifications under my belt just so when um, everything reopens and we all hit the ground running, um, I can at least say that I've made use of this time to further myself um, professionally. So um, just uh, kind of a a classic Sam never stops talking about work moment there. But anyway, um, (laughs) from a not work perspective, um, I actually picked up playing flute. My um, fiance's mother used to play flute. And a couple years ago, I, I guess mentioned in passing, like, always wanted to play flute I played percussion in high school and college and I played baritone and alto saxophone in high school 
and I just I really miss music I miss producing music and I can't really bring any percussive instruments into my townhouse or my neighbors who already hate me because my dogs are loud are probably going to call the HOA to get me evicted if I bring a drum set in here (laughs) so um really miss making music and I was cleaning out the basement the other day or I guess a couple weeks ago and saw the flute and said you know what screw it let's give it a shot so um, I'm kind of doing horribly, but um, doing better than yesterday. So uh, that's already progress made. And that's all that matters because it's an easy way to kill a couple hours. It makes me feel a little productive and it's it's fun and relaxing. And I also got back into reading something that I, I didn't think I was going to do during this time. I just kind of laughed and said, I must be really bored to start reading again. Well, I started reading again and I uh, bought a Kindle <laughs> and that came in and I was really excited. So uh-huh. um, yeah, so just trying to do my best to stay productive and hopefully these uh, habits and hobbies will carry over once um, you start to see a semblance of a normal world. Yeah. Absolutely. So wait, uh, what are you reading on your Kindle right now, actually? Um, so I'm reading um, Unlearned by Kay Manzak. Um, Catherine is actually one of my old coworkers um, back when um, I, my first job out of college, I remember watching her um, like, proofread and you know write small short stories and working on this novel in particular and when she got it published last year um, me not being a reader wanted to support her and I said I'll read it well I'm not a reader so I wasn't going to read it until recently and I said you know what I'm going to read it so I bought it and I'm like 10 pages in and it just reminds me of Catherine and I love her writing style and I'm just I'm really excited to indulge in 500 pages of just you know, pretending I'm not sitting in my house for the 12th week in a row. But uh, yeah, shout out to Catherine. Thank you for putting out such amazing work. (laughs) Yeah, we should actually go ahead and include the title of her book and her full name in our show notes. So if anybody else wants to check that out, they will have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, for sure. Link in the description. And (laughs) Sam, actually, you mentioned that you were listening to, like, you miss playing music and stuff like that, right? And yeah. you were using flute to kind of, like, a way to get back into music and everything? Yep. So, funny story. So, you're going to sigh at this. I don't know. Mary-Kate's going to sigh at this. But, uh, <laughs> so, you, you know where I'm going with this, because I mentioned this on the last podcast. Um, but it was actually K-pop for me. For some reason, like, because I, I was listening to K-pop in, like, 2017, 2018, and then I got out of it. But then I slowly realized one does not simply get out of K-pop kind of thing. And it came back on my Google Play, you know, whole list. <laughs> it was like, hey, we think you like Twice again. We think you like Red Velvet. We'll think you like BTS and all that other jazz. I'm like, okay, sure. It's something so vastly different. And I was just getting tired of, like, my commute music. So I can't listen to the commute music because I'm not commuting anymore. I guess that's like my side time kind of things. It's either exploring new genres of music because K-pop led me to J-pop, Japanese pop, and then also led me to Japanese city pop, which is fantastic. Um, I highly recommend. I'll also put a link to that, um, to like a playlist in the show notes as well. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And that's actually what inspired me to pick up Korean and the best part about Korean is that it doesn't follow the like Arabic alphabet. It uses characters that represent like syllables and phonetics and everything. And to me, it kind of gave me like a visual and mental representation of my progress. Like 
even though it's a completely foreign language, I'm slowly picking up on how to pronounce some of these Korean words. And it's I'm kind of getting like a really nice learning high from it because I look at, you know, Korean game shows. And I'm like, hey, I can pronounce this. I have no idea what it means, but I can pronounce it. And I recognize some of these words. So that's that's one thing. And I guess the other thing is kind of coffee. So I bought an AeroPress and I don't know why I haven't bought an AeroPress. <laughs> Uh, earlier in my life, but here we are. I guess it's it's what we can do. I love my coffee. What can we I say? know that's the third time you've mentioned it this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just really enjoy it. No, I know you are not the only one. I know there's a lot of coffee enthusiasts out there who have been getting really creative with their their morning coffees. Mary Kate, what are you are you drinking? I thought you were into tea at one point, right? Yep. Still a tea drinker. I've actually started um, drinking coffee some. I'm definitely not drinking anything fancy, but I am expanding my palate a little bit because I'm getting to a point where I do need to rely on some some caffeine to sustain me that goes beyond what black tea can provide. So, um, so yeah. I mean, there's so much you can do with with things like that and cooking and baking. That's why the stores are all out of flour right now because everyone's decided that bread making is their new hobby. <laughs> um, I was just talking about that with my sister today. <laughs> are you getting into bread making? Um, I I personally am not. My my dad's always been really into bread making, so he's been baking a lot of bread, which has been fun for That's me true. because I just get to reap the benefits of his experimentation. All the starch. What about you, Sam? Uh, no. Um. <laughs> not yet is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> I, uh, I admit that I can cook. I am just very lazy and my fiance will attest to this. And unless I need to cook, I will not cook. But when I do cook, you're lucky because it's great. I still have yet to try your cooking. So I'm adding that to the list of things that needs to happen once social distancing <laughs> is over. Before we wrap this up, this has been such a great conversation with you, Sam. I'm so glad that you got to join us today. I think just as a, as a parting thought, why don't you share with us what your mantra of sorts would be? What, what is it that you look to to find positivity and encouragement when things just get really tough? You know, I've, I've, I've said this a couple of times already, and I'm just going to run it to the ground because this is, this is really, really how I, I live my life now. I used to really focus on, I mean, I used to focus on, the future probably a little too much um, so much so that I kind of kind of just kind of threw away today and threw away tomorrow because I was so busy looking so far out into you know what's my five-year plan what's my 10-year plan where am I going to be in 15 years in my career and in my life and you know all, all of that so especially with everything going on and I don't know what's what the next six months are going to look like what the next year is going to look like where, where I'm going to be in five years because all I all I know is I could change careers tomorrow and I could be an accountant for some reason. Um, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. So I've just been taking it one day at a time, enjoying um, what I can from today. And if today isn't the day, then maybe it's tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, then maybe it's the next day. And it's okay if today isn't my day or if tomorrow isn't my day. Because we've got seven days in a week and those are seven chances for me to you know, do what I want to do and be who I want to be given the parameters that I have right now. Wow. I love that. Yeah. 
I'm the definition of I'm just going to roll with it. And I think I've taken it a little too far um, by literally just rolling with my life. But um, <laughs> um, please roll with your life responsibly. Um, but yeah, take it, take it one day at a time. <laughs> I think I might get, turn that into a bumper sticker. Roll with life responsibly. <laughs> Mary Kay, that might be the first uh, Serotonin Central merch we put out there. Ah, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Sam, it's it's been a pleasure as always. Is there anything you would like to plug or share with listeners other than uh, your friend's book? Anything else you want to share? Um, nothing really. I mean, uh, <laughs> I would say um, some video games I'm playing right now, but I think our Discord's kind of heard enough of that. But um, anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, Andrew knows as well as anyone. I love talking. So this has been a whole lot of fun for me. And we had such a great conversation. And you know, I really appreciate talking about, you know, everything that's going on as raw as it is with other people and just know that it, it's going to come to an end, whether it's, you know, next month or two months from now, three months from now, or even some people are predicting as late as two years from now, it's going to come to an end. And it's a learning experience for all of us. And we'll just take it in stride and, you know, become better people after, after everything. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to tonight's episode. We've really enjoyed having Sam here with us and everything that we discussed that we've referenced, we'll have linked in the show notes below so you can check that stuff out. Until next time, this has been Mary Kate. This is Andrew. Talk soon.